Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Three Bullets for the Cactus Kid, written by Louis L'Amour. Louis L'Amour's lost tale of his legendary hero, the Cactus Kid, was serialized as a series of novelettes in the Western magazines of the 1950s. Now, for the first time ever, his three novelettes, previously published separately, have been gathered into one audiobook, a thrill-a-minute adventure as the kid rides into danger and romance. He will have to think fast and shoot faster to survive. But how many battles can a peace-loving cowpoke survive when half the gunmen in the Old West are waiting to contest the range against him? And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Three Bullets for the Cactus Kid. No trouble for the Cactus Kid. Even the coyotes who prowled along the banks of the Rio Salado knew the Cactus Kid was in love. What else had caused him to sing to the moon so that even the coyotes were jealous? The Cactus Kid was in love, and he was on his way to Aragon to buy his girl some calico, enough red and white calico to make a dress. It was seventy miles to Aragon, and the dance was on Friday. This being Monday, he figured he had plenty of time. Red and white calico for a girl with midnight in her hair and love light in her eyes. Although, reflected the cactus kid, there were times when that love light flickered into anger, as he had cause to know. She'd made up her mind that he was the only man for her, and he agreed, and was pleased at the knowledge. Yet her anger could be uncomfortable, and the cactus kid liked his comfort. The paint pony switched his tail agreeably as he cantered down the trail, the kid lolling in the saddle. Only a little ride to Aragon, then back with the calico. It'd take Benita only a little while to make a dress, a dress that would be like a dream once she put it on. Love, the cactus kid decided, was a good thing for him. Until he rode up to Coyote Springs and met Benita, He'd been homeless as a poker chip and ornery as a maverick mule. Now look at him. He was riding for Bosque Bill Ryan's four-staff outfit, and he hadn't had a drink in two months. Drinking, however, had never been one of his pet vices. By and large, he had one vice, a knack for getting into trouble. Not that he went looking for trouble. It was simply that it had a way of happening where he was. The cactus kid was five feet nine in his socks and weighed an even 140 pounds. His hair was sandy and his eyes were green. And while not a large man, it was generally agreed by the survivors that he could hit like a man 50 pounds heavier. His fighting skill had been acquired by diligent application of the art. On this ride, he anticipated no trouble. Aragon was a peaceful town. Had it been Trashado now, or even Deer Creek, but they were far away and long ago, and neither town had heard the rattling of his spurs since he met Bonita, nor would they. It was spring. The sun was bright and just pleasantly warm. The birds were out, and even the rabbits seemed rather to wait and watch than run. His plan was to stop the night at Red Bluff Stage Station. Scotty Ellis, his friend, was majordomo at the station now, caring for the horses and changing teams when the stages arrived. 
It had been a month since he'd visited with Scotty, and the old man was always pleased to have visitors. The cactus kid was happy with the morning and pleased with his life. He was happy that Bosque Bill had let him have a week off to do as he pleased, work being slack at the moment. Next month it'd be going full blast, and every hand working sixteen hours a day or more. The cactus kid didn't mind work. He was, as Bosque Bill said, a hand. He could ride anything that wore hair and used his 80-foot California Riata with masterly skill. He enjoyed doing things he did well, and he had found few things he couldn't do well. The sawtoothed ridge of the Tularosa Mountains combed the sky for clouds, and Spot, the sorrel and white paint, bobbed his head and cocked an ear at the cactus kid's singing. The miles fell easily behind, and the kid let the paint make his own pace. They dropped into a deep canyon following a winding trail. At the bottom, the two-foot-wide Agua Fria babbled along over the gravel. The kid dropped from the saddle and let Spot take his own time and drink it. Then he lowered himself to his chest and drank. He was just getting up when the creek spat sand in his face and the report of a rifle echoed down the canyon walls. The cactus kid hit his feet running and dove to shelter behind a boulder just as a bullet knocked chips from it. Spot, in his three years of carrying the kid, had become accustomed to the sounds of battle and rifle shots, and in two quick bounds was himself among the rocks and trees and out of sight. The kid had hit the dirt behind his boulder with his colt in his fist. His hat off, he peered from alongside the rock to see who and why. A glance was enough to tell him his colt wasn't going to be much help. So, rolling over, he got into the rocks and scrambled back to the paint. Holstering the colt, he slid his Winchester from its scabbard. Then he waited. His position wasn't bad. It could be no more than an hour's ride to Red Bluff Station, and he had until Friday to return with the material. Well, until Thursday, anyway. How long did it take to make a dress? No more shots were fired, but he waited. At first he was calm, then irritated. After all, if the dry gulcher wanted a fight, why didn't he get on with it? No shots, no sounds. The cactus kid removed his hat again and eased it around the boulder on a stick. Nothing happened. The cactus kid, rifle ready, stepped from behind his rocks. There was no shot, nothing but the chuckling of the stream over the gravel. Disgusted, he swung into the saddle and turned his horse upstream. In a few minutes, he glimpsed a boot heel. Rifle ready, he circled warily. It wasn't until he drew up beside him that he saw the man was dead. He was lying flat on his face and had been shot at least twice through the head and twice through the body. Kneeling beside him, the cactus kid studied the situation. One shot, which wounded the dead man, had been fired some time before. The wounded man had crawled here, seeking shelter. He'd been followed and shot at least twice more while lying on the ground. Whoever had done the killing had intended it to be just that, a killing. This was not merely a robbery. The dead man's pockets were turned inside out, and an empty wallet lay on the ground. Empty of money, that is. There were several papers in the wallet, a couple of faded letters and a deed. A sweat stain ran diagonally across the papers. 
Pocketing them, the cactus kid looked around thoughtfully. Seeing some bloodstains, he followed the track left by the wounded man back to the main trail. Here, the story became simple. The man had been riding along the trail toward the canyon when shot. He'd fallen from his horse into the dust, had gotten to his feet, and had fired at his killer. Two empty cartridge cases lay on the ground. Evidently, the wounded man had ejected the two empty shells and reloaded, and then had been hit again and tried to crawl to a hiding place or a better place from which to fight. Scouting around and checking obvious ambush sites, the kid found where the killer had waited, smoking a dozen or more cigarettes. There were marks in the dust where a saddle had rested. A saddle and no horse? Scouting still more, he found the horse. It was a rangy buckskin, and from the looks of it, the horse had been literally run to death. Its hair was streaked with dried sweat and foam. Whoever he was, the kid said aloud, he was going someplace in a hurry or getting away from something. He killed his horse, then holed up here until a rider came along, dry-gulched him, robbed the body, and rode off on his horse. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Three Bullets for the Cactus Kid. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.